At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter, at TheCoachesNet. Once again, that's at TheCoachesNet. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Um, honestly, second time round having having this guest on the show and the first episode was an absolutely incredible phenomenal episode um but i'm not going to waste any more time straight into my guest jerry lynch good morning jerry how are you good morning yaz and uh i'm doing quite well and this is a very different one because i grew a beard for this one <clears throat> amazing amazing i'm glad to I, see I, that was an inspiration both ways <laughs> yeah I, I needed i needed to look more like you so that i can get raise my level for sure Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Jerry, um, just in case there was anyone that's listening to this right now that didn't catch the first episode, um, just a real brief insight around who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. You want me to do that? I think it's best place that you do it. I think, yeah, you know, you you could probably sum it up better than I can. I, I, you know, I'll be here for days if I was ringing off uh, what you've been uh, able to achieve. <laughs> Well, it's it's not the easiest thing to do to talk about yourself. And you know that. Uh, and uh, but I'm honored to be here. I uh, uh, to say I'm honored is a, is a massive understatement. Uh, I so enjoyed our our conversation last time, and it was a wonderful conversation, not an interview, which which I love. And uh, so it's it's nice to know that people are still interested in reading what I write and listening to what I have to say. And I've been doing this work for. Uh, I don't want to think about how many years I've been doing it, but I know it's over 45. I stopped counting. Uh, but I work with uh, high-end athletes, primarily people who want to get the most out of themselves and be the best version of themselves. And I've been doing it for over 45 years. And I've written, uh, in fact, uh, before we got on here today, you and I had a conversation. Uh, 
I'm in the middle of my 16th book. And uh, it's just been a wonderful journey for me. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I, you know, I'm, yeah, those, those high-end athletes, uh, they're, they're human beings. They're like you and I. They're not different. And uh, I think that's really important for our listeners to hear. The coaches that I work with, although they seem to be iconic, they're human beings. They're genuine. They're authentic. They're like you and I. And uh, what we do is uh, we, we find ways that we can uh, up our game. And, and, and that's what it's about upping your game. And, and it's not just for sports. I use sports as a microcosmic classroom for all of life. And uh, everything I've learned about myself, who I am, what I do, how I do it, where I'm going, it, it all comes from my sports background and my, my athleticism. And I learned everything I need to know about life through sports. So I'm giving back all the time, all these lessons of, of, of uh, spo- uh, from sports and I apply it to life. And uh, that's basically uh, what I do. And, and, and there's more detail to that, but uh, it'll all come out. Yeah, I think I think I think it definitely will. But I think even in that brief um, snapshot that you've given us of your journey so far, there's so much to unpack. And I, I, I want to start with the first thing that kind of really jumps out jumps out at me as you're speaking. There, and it's you talk about the athletes, you talk about the coaches that you've worked with. But I think the the, the real phrase that comes out to me is it's the person first. Mm-hmm. It's the person first before mm-hmm. they go into any sort of profession, before they become a player, before they become anything else. They're still a person. So let, let's 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 start with that. You know, um, I think a lot of people coming into this space, whether it's whether it be from a coaching perspective, whether it be from a coach development perspective, or whichever aspect we're looking at, we we sometimes maybe neglect to remember that. So yeah, where, where did where did where did you first come across the fact that this was I... this is what it is? I, I, first, I first, this is a very interesting question, and it's brilliant on your part, I believe, to pick up on that minute detail that is so huge, you know, and uh, I first got that sense about the person when I was 12 years old. That's when I learned probably everything I needed to know about leadership and coaching uh, and I learned it from my dad. He was a, a New York City uh, firefighter and uh, he's actually a battalion chief and so one day a week in the summer he used to take me to work and I'd sit in the back of the chief's car going to fires and when we got to the fire I'd still be in the back of back seat he, you know, I couldn't get out I, it wasn't right for me to get out and I watched him I watched him lead men and he led them from the back you know he didn't take them to where they needed to go he 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 demonstrated he he demonstrated how to lead by modeling the kind of behaviors that he was expecting from his men. Now, to your point, what I picked up from him was how he treated the men. He treated them as people. They were persons. They were they were human beings first, and, and that's so important because. In, in today's world, we miss the fact that the people that we're coaching or the people that we're leading are human beings, just like us. 
and, and, and so, yeah, I have all these credentials. I've written all these books. I've had all these national championships, over 115 of them. But I'm a person. And, 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 and my father related, not, not from his professional head to the other's professional heads. He related from heart to heart, his human heart to their human heart. And he understood them and he, was, he had compassion. He was tough and he was demanding. But he only demanded because he loved his men. He loved them so much that he knew they he knew that they could better he could they could be better than they were. And he would say to them, you're better than this. I know that. And and and, and so he would bring people along to realize their best version of themselves. And what's interesting is when we watch a coach like Steve Kerr from the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, he's the same way. And 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 here I learned this when when I was 12. But it reinforces what I've already learned. And, and, and Steve Kerr is the same way. You know, he treats the 14th person on the bench as a human being, not as the 14th person on the bench who only has this much physical talent. His job is to bring out the best in everybody, wherever that is. And, and you've got to look at, at the human part of each individual. So, you there, there, there's so much in there that I've kind of just you know you've got my mind ticking already. Um, let me let me start with this one. I think um, it, it's for me what I've arrived to is as my definition of a coach over the last couple of years in particular. In that, the coach is there to be part of the journey. The coach is there to help take the athlete or the participant or the coach, whoever else may, uh, may be the, the subject in the case, to from point A, which is where they're currently at, to point B, which is where they, they want to get to, not mm-hmm. where the coach wants them to get to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's almost kind of three phases in which that kind of, uh, can, kind of can kind of come out in. Um, the best way to look at it is the origins of the word coach, right? If I'm the coach, I'm taking you from point A to point B. But sometimes I might be the driver of that journey for you. And it'll be you following me. Sometimes I'm going to be the passenger whilst you're driving. Um, but in other times, you've broken down and I need to give you that push from behind. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's, how I, that's where I'm at right now in my own understanding of... <laughs> Well, the definition you, of a coach. You use it, uh, very interesting metaphors for me. Like, uh, okay, so how many people listening to us today, how many of us have seen a bus going by and, and, and on the side of the bus it says coach? Mm. Right? It says yeah, coach. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Right? And, and, and what is that bus doing? It's taking a bunch of people from point A to point B, to your point. Right. And that's a coach. Well, that's what coaches do. They help. See, I don't want to say take because take means I'm coercing or I'm forcing or I'm making or I'm pushing you to be a certain place. I have to I what I have to do as a a coach, a servant coach is I have to make sure that you want. What's best for you. And 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 I know as a coach what that probably is. And what I do is I'm going to guide you there. I'm going to point the way. I'm going to create an environment that's free 
for you to make mistakes, to fail. We'll correct the mistakes and failures. We'll learn. Those are our, our teachers, our lessons, the failures are. And what I'll do is I'll suggest things. I'll say, you know, you might want to try this or have you thought of this? Or maybe I'll even say, like, don't put yourself in that position. You Look what happens when you put yourself in that position, you know. Don't do this to yourself, to yourself. And and, and, and so, yeah. And, and then sometimes we just need a little nudge from from the back. And, and But sometimes we need to be more assertive. Like, my, back to my dad, he also would see that the firefighters were maybe not standing in the right position. He would go over to them and take the hose and run into the building with the hose himself leading the group. That was still mentoring and, and, and it was showing him, showing the rest of the, the team, this is how you do it. So sometimes we have to show how. Yeah. You know, and just, just sticking with your dad for a second, I think, you know, you talked there about he led from behind. Um he looked at them as individuals, as persons, and you, then you'd refer back to Steve Kerr um, and, you know, his his role in terms of being able to get the best out of everyone that's there. And I, and I think that, that, that that's kind of like the next layer for me in that part of that coaching role, if you like, or that leadership role is getting them to see beyond their view. Because what they don't know, they don't know. Um, and it's interesting, I was having a conversation a few days ago with coaches and um, about setting setting an environment for athletes especially within within you know youth youth sport in particular and i think i think it applies across the board to be fair but it's they in this particular context i was trying to get them to show how much the athletes can probably work harder than what they're working and they're only going to work as hard as they believe they can work and it's sometimes up to us as coaches to expose them to that new level by putting different demands on them that they might not have experienced before and they may not have even considered possible. But then the challenge that I've given, I give coaches when I work with them is, right, can you get the athlete to see beyond their view? But can you get the athlete to go one step further and see them get beyond your view of what they can achieve? Mm-hmm. To take them even above what you think is possible. Mm-hmm. Really put those demands in them, really push them because it's, like I said, you, you we don't know what we don't know, and until until we come across it, then we realize what we didn't know. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course, and and, and you know, there's wisdom in the unknown. You know, and, and and so the the unknown is a comfortable, uncomfortable place for most people. And what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is many of us, many of us, with no coaching, we we stay inside the box. And we're very comfortable inside the box. It's very familiar, very familiar. And uh, I like to make changes on purpose or, or make changes happen because it makes me uncomfortable. And, and then what I do is I'm training myself to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I need to go outside the box. But oftentimes, I don't have the vision. You use that word vision, which is really crucial. I don't have the vision to see where this is all going to lead. But that shouldn't stop me. I should, if I'm comfortable uh, being uncomfortable, then the unknown becomes a sea, a, a, an ocean of possibility. And, and, and so those possibilities, we need to examine the possibility that we can go beyond our greatest dream. 
hundred percent. I think again, I'm listening to you speak, and every time I'm having conversations, and it was interesting. I had a, a coach ask me the other day, when you're thinking about coaching, what goes through your mind? And I said, um, to be honest, it's just loads of cartoon images. <laughs> um, I just see images, images, images of like little cartoon drawings that just make the the, the words that someone's using make sense to me. Um, and as you're speaking there, all, all, all I can see is. literally a mirror splitting the sea now in order to see what's on the other side of the mirror because we can't look through the mirror we have to break through it we have to be daring to go through it and i think part part of part of that that aspect of things for me is that actually coaches now need to start becoming more vulnerable accepting that they don't have all the answers accepting that they might just be wrong and i think it's going with that belief almost as if no, what I'm doing is right. I believe in what I'm doing until I see something that challenges it. Mm-hmm. Rather than ignoring something that challenges it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, it does make sense. You see, what you're talking, this gets back to beliefs, too. I believe this is what's possible. But what if that's possible? Well, I don't believe that. And and so we, we're constantly challenged about this unknown. And uh, John Lilly, a... Uh, uh, a, a rather famous psychologist who did a lot of research with uh, with dolphins uh, made a statement a long time ago, and I'll never forget it. And he said, "Beliefs are limits to be examined and transcended." So, so the mindset is, "This is my belief about you, Yaz. What you're capable of doing. This is my belief, but I need to examine that and then go beyond it." And uh, that takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of, uh, I love your word vulnerable. I think vulnerability is uh, a buzzword now in the circles that I travel with coaching and coaches to be open to the idea that they don't know and be comfortable with that. And even say to somebody, you know, I don't, I really don't know what your potential is, but let's explore it. Let's challenge us. Let's challenge ourselves. You see, I, th- I think I think you, you you know you put it in such a in such a positive way for coaches to consider and anyone listening to this to think about in that. Again, I'm just thinking about uh, <laughs> these cartoon images in my head, um, and as you're talking there, what I can see is the magic school bus is going <laughs> on this journey, and I'm picking up more knowledge as I'm going along the way, and I'm not sure where I'm going to end up, but all I know is that I'm just going to embrace the journey. I'm yeah. I'm on I'm on the magic school bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, th- I th- but I think you know, just something to layer on to what you said there. You know that vulnerability piece is key. But I think it's coaches, athletes, individuals, whoever's listening to this, taking on board any of this information, thinking about actually having a commitment to becoming vulnerable and allowing themselves to be vulnerable, rather than just I'm going to be vulnerable when it suits me. But actually, no, you, in order to really kind of embrace, I think you need to have that strong commitment to say, I'm going to go with it wherever it takes me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I never, th- and, I, and that doesn't mean, uh, you know, there's something wrong with that, but I never thought about vulnerability as a commitment. But if I examine it, it really boils down to me making that choice. And I need to see the importance. You see, vulnerability, look, let's talk about vulnerability for a moment because I I believe this is pivotal in everything we're saying. 
vulnerability is the willingness to show up and be seen. What's entailed in being seen is being authentic and being genuine. Okay, now let's you and I go on a little trip here. Let's say we're seeing somebody who's authentic and they're genuine and they're vulnerable. We admire that. We admire that in people. Like when Steve Kerr says to his team, guys, that's on me. I didn't prepare you well enough. Everyone in that locker room admires that about him. But when you and I are asked to be vulnerable or we consider being vulnerable, most people think it's a weakness. Like, I'm not going to show you, like, I don't know anything. I mean, I've written, I've written all these books. I must know everything. Well, God knows, so you might as well know. Most, a lot of the time, I don't really know. <laughs> I, don't. I, I, I think that's the beauty of it, Jerry. I mean, as you're speaking there, and just, just, to, just to recap, I'm just glad that you joined me on my magic school bus, first of all. Um, <laughs> but uh, can, My image is all of these psychedelic colors uh, you know, <laughs> that, that, that we, we saw in England when the Beatles were coming in back in the 60s and, and all those wild, crazy colors, right? I, I mean, it's a bit bit before my age, but I can totally relate. Uh, <laughs> but no, but, but coming back to what you're saying there, I think, you know, you talk there about you don't know everything. I think one of the biggest things, if I reflect back on my own journey, one of the most powerful things that I've found that's really worked for me in, in interacting and connecting with the athletes that I've worked with, and even at times the coaches, is starting with that phrase, um, I haven't tried this before. It's the first time I'm going to try it, but I want us to see how it goes. Straight away, there's like a, there's a relaxed feeling, a relaxed uh, mood or a relaxed uh, kind of emotion being demonstrated, you know, on the, on the face or the faces of the people that I'm speaking to in that moment. Cause it's almost like, right. You're the coach, but you're actually, you're telling us you don't have all the answers and you're on this journey with us. So it comes back to my analogy of, you know the coach we're moving from point a to point b because i'm trying to get them to where they want to go but this might be right there's traffic ahead or there's roadworks ahead we need to take the other a different route this time yeah mm -hmm. um sorry i just went on a bit of a tangent oh, no, i'm just thinking no, out loud and that different route you know i sort of have the image of going up a mountain and and the top of the mountain is what we all want and crave right and we're going up this trail and we think we're right. And all of a sudden there's this huge roadblock and there's a big, huge tree that we can't get over. And it forces us to take another way. For most people, that's uncomfortable and it's scary because we're going a way that's not familiar. But it turns out that that way is really there and it's, it's the best route possible and we didn't know it. But we have to be willing and open to take that journey wherever it takes us, taking the steps forward and responding to what happens along the way. And, and coaches, uh, they, there's so, so many coaches, they're so set in their way. This is the way, the way to do it, that when a group of players come and, 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 and they're, they're demonstrating a different way, that they're not flexible enough and vulnerable enough to say, you know what, hey, maybe there's another way, and maybe I'm not right. You spot on and again, again just brings back a, 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 an experience that I've talked about on the podcast before 
um, it's probably about six, seven years ago. I was working with a group of players and I went into this one training session thinking that there was just going to be this, you know, I need to see it done this way so that I can tick off the box and say it's been done correctly, if that makes sense. And I had the outcome. They all knew the outcome, but they were all performing it very differently. Now, what, what actually happened was I was almost... confused for a second i think to myself what right i'm watching this happen they're getting success in the way that i've set the outcome for however the processes are looking very different to what i want to see um so it was almost like a kind of a, a, a real a reflection moment for me to say actually is there anything wrong with the fact that they're doing it in another way um and I guess in that moment, what I actually ended up doing was rather than, you know, where I came into maybe that training session with one technique that I was looking for, I ended up leaving with seven that I didn't consider. And if, from that moment onwards, it's, it's always been right. I'm never going to impart my techniques and my my perception of technique onto 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 athletes ever again. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hold the knowledge I've got. I'm going to hold the experiences I've got, but I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to examine these techniques i'm going to examine why these techniques are the way they are where did they come from what why would this athlete use this one over maybe that one um because if i can understand and learn as an example you know to give a bit more context if i've got an athlete that's coming from spain and has had different cultural influences and different coaching experiences um compared to maybe someone who's from from the uk is that is 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 that where that influence comes from is there a specific reason is it because maybe that this person's slightly shorter than this person, that that technique works better for them. And, you know, there's, there's not a definitive answer for that. But what it taught me to do is study, study the technique, study the technique, study the technique. So now if you come across another player or an athlete who's, who needs support around it, you've now got an arsenal of different different bits of information you might have to support them with based on those different variables of um, that, that those techniques have been produced from, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I'll give you a, a concrete example. Let's let's go back to uh, I'll keep I'll keep referring back to Steve because it's very current. The basketball season is starting in next week in a few days. Uh, the NBA and uh, and I happen to know Steve and, and, and I, I, I observe his coaching techniques and I learn a lot from watching him. He brings to the table a uh, a system and that, and that system he knows works, uh, but what he doesn't know is how the players are going to respond to that system. So I think it's important that the coaches who are listening embrace your system because you have a belief that it can work, but be open at the same time to the possibility that you might meet that obstacle halfway up the hill. We're all going to the same light. The light is success. The light is being the best version of ourselves as a person, as a coach, as a leader, as a team. But sometimes along the journey, things get in the way. Things are presented to us. And the challenge is, are you open enough to see a different way and make the adjustment? So with Steve, back to that, he has this plan. He has this system that works. Call it whatever you want. And all of a sudden... The players seem to be struggling with it. So being open means you've got to be flexible. You've got to be vulnerable to admit that maybe what you thought was going to work for them is not the way 
you have to be receptive and, and, and observant. So, and you have to listen and you have to ask questions. These are, put yourself in the shoes of being a servant. If, if you're going to serve somebody well, don't you have to know what they're looking for and what they need and how they work best so you have to serve them well? In order to do that, Steve has to listen to his players. He has to bring his system. If it's working smoothly, hey, that's, that's magic in itself. But if it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. He has to make the adjustment. And, and, and maybe, maybe this group of players, which is not the same as last year's players, this group of players might respond to something in a different way, the same system. So you ask the question. So guys, okay, we're struggling here. Anybody have any idea what's going on? Why, why do we seem to struggle with this? And, and, and Steph Curry steps up and he says, coach, look, he said, you know, last year it worked because we had A, B and C in place, but we don't have A, B and C in place. But, you know, maybe we should take advantage of X, Y and Z. And Steve said, that's a good point. You know, let's try that. And, and so it is this cooperative, collaborative experience which is not my way or the highway, and you guys, yeah. better, you guys better fit this mold or else we're not going anywhere. So it's that, it's that dance. I call it a dance. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm, as, you, as you're speaking there, I think that, that last piece there, it, it really kind of just hit me. You'll probably see it in my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think everything about what you just said there was collaborative. Um, it's recognising that I don't have all the answers. You may have some insights that I'm not aware of. And it, 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 it really resonates with me because it, it's, it's part of the way in which I work with athletes at the moment in, the, in that it's very much for me about unpacking the context for them, helping them become better at assessing the variables which have an impact on them and their performance at any given moment. And it's not to say that they're necessarily going to be able to then immediately take action off the back of that. But, you know, if we're coming back to beliefs, my belief is that if you are aware of the variables that can have an impact on you, then you have a great, greater opportunity to do something about them or with them um, to, 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 to your advantage, if you like. Well, you, the, the operative word there that you're using is aware. Mm. You know, and, and a translation of awareness for me is being more mindful. Mm. And mindful requires being open. There are too many people who are closed down who have the answers. They walk in with the answers mm. instead of walking in with the questions. It's the questions that the questions that you ask that really lead people to where they need to go. Not yeah. the, you know, <laughs> we we don't have answers. You know, don't look for me for an answer here. And, and I think I think the beauty of it is as well is. is you don't know what the answer is going to be when you ask that question. I mean, you, you know, through my experiences, I know that there's certain questions that in my, again, based on my experiences, might lead an athlete or a coach in a particular direction. Um, but the reality is I don't know whether that's going to be perceived the way it's been perceived previously. Um, and, and that's the beauty of it, because every day I'm now thinking, right, every conversation, even this one we're having right now, I'm asking a question. and I'm thinking, right, well, well I, I, I might know where Jerry's going to take it. But I might have no idea where it's going to go at all. Um, 
But that's the beauty of the conversation, the beauty of the question, right? And I think that that that's where I encourage anyone listening to this now to really start to think about how how open the questions are that they are providing the athletes, but also recognizing that a lot of coaches who I've experienced, especially in my role as a coach developer in particular, they use questions, but they use very leading questions, or they use very closed questions, or they use questions that are limited in terms of their response so that they have a control element of where it can go. And it's almost like manipulation. It, it is. It is. You know, I don't want to use that word because it is so. It is so negative. But it, it is very. It is very manipulative. And I think um, it then just comes back in. And I'm, all I'm seeing is this word ego in my head. It's like it's not about you. It's actually not about you. And I think that I think that's that's where a lot of coaches I think really struggle um, to kind of leave that ego there. And the reality is, we all we all we all have it. We all have part of that ego because you know it is. It, it's within what we do. I think. However. If I come back to my definition of, of coach, you know, it's we're trying to help them from getting to point A to point B. We're just, you know, we just we just got the privilege of being on the journey with them. We don't get to decide where the destination is, because even if we did set a destination for them halfway down the line, they might say, I'm not I'm not on this bus no more. Yeah. yeah. And, and the illusion is that we can control that and we can't. There is no mm. control. And that's part of the vulnerability going full circle. Being vulnerable means that you have to buy into the idea that you have no control, whether you like it or not. Uh, as a coach, you walk into a gym with a group of basketball athletes. They could all decide to walk out. You can't control that. I mean, you're, you know, and, and let's start with gratefulness. Let's be grateful that they show up, that they even put them, their lives in the hands of you, you know. Uh, but you said some things here I, I don't want to overlook. Number one is, is ego. Ego's gotten a bad rap. Uh, as a psychologist, I don't want to dive into the deep recesses of ego and, and superego and all that. But ego has gotten a bad rap. We all need ego. It's there for a reason. And, uh, you know, we, we, we like to feel relevant. We like to feel important. We like to feel valued. That's our ego being gratified. And, and that gratification inspires us and it empowers us. So, But ego gets in the way when it's all about me. But that leads to the other thing that you said. And I don't know how important what I'm saying right now really is, but I got I think to it's really up, good. I got yeah. to pick, I got to pick up on this, and that is, you said it's not about you. So I'm going to say this: it's not about you, but it's all about you, right? I mean, it's not. I, and I, and I, I love that because, um, again, so you know, I'll, I'll share an experience. So. I remember when I when I delivered uh, one of the first coach education courses that I was part of, um, and even a recent one to be honest with you. I remember I was delivering this course with another with another uh, coach developer, and there was twenty four participants in the course. And the way the course would the structure would work is they'd come and do the face to face workshops and things like that, and then we'd go away and we'd we'd go and observe them in their environments, and. The group was split in half, so I took twelve. They took twelve, and all twelve of of the of the coaches that I was, I guess, overseeing, um, basically said, nah, we we're not having this guy. He's you know he's just going to come and slate our sessions, and he's just going to he's just going to rip our sessions apart." And I guess part of the challenge was is getting them to understand that their success is my success. If they're doing well, 
that reflects positively on me. If they're not doing well, it reflect it reflects negatively on me. Um, so as much as it is about me, it's about them because then it be- and coming back to what you said, it's if they haven't got it, if they're not doing it, if whatever happens in the environment um, doesn't go to plan, even when it's not my fault, I take the responsibility and say it's my fault hmm. because even when it's unfair you know and I, and I and i say that in quotation marks it's still my fault because i haven't done what i needed to do to maybe think outside the box potentially to get it to be on track if that makes sense and i think uh, you know it's, it's a message that i really encourage all the coaches that i work with to, to think about is literally even when you even when you believe it's not your fault it's your fault and it take that take that with everything when it goes well it's not because of you it's because of them when it goes bad it's not because of them it's because of you mm-hmm. um and that that's a literally an approach that i've started to take in the last few years in particular in the way that i work with either athletes or coaches and it's it's done me wonders if i'm being honest with you, because it's given me the opportunity just to continue yeah. learning and growing and getting better at what i do yeah, what, what, what you're really talking about there, yeah, as you bring up a, a brilliant point, uh, you know, John Wooden was famous for saying, you know, if we win, it, it's you guys. Uh, if we lose, I have to look at myself. I didn't prepare you well enough. And that's that's a sense, a sign of humility and vulnerability. And it gets back to being genuine and authentic, which these are the qualities that we don't want to overlook in our conversation, which is. What are those traits of great iconic coaches? They win. Is that the trait? No. The winning is a reflection of being genuine, authentic, vulnerable, connective, caring, loving, all of those intangibles that can be taught because we're not necessarily skilled at that. But being a good listener is another one of them. So we have all of these qualities. And back to the point of, it's not about you. So it's not about Jerry Lynch. It, it, it's about you. Yes. But it is all about me. And, and the part that's all about me is I need to attend to my own self-awareness of who I am as a human being. Am I genuine? Am I authentic? Am I, do I have integrity? Am I, am I being vulnerable? Am I being open and connective and caring? That's up to me. And in that environment, theoretically, that's where success takes place. That's where a John Wooden, that's where a Anson Dorrance or uh, a Phil Jackson or a Pete Carroll or on and on, the list goes on. That's where these great iconic coaches really are heads in, uh, heads over so many other coaches in the same profession, the same level, is they've got They've won the most important game on the road to the championship. And that most important game is the relationship game. And they get it and they understand it. And in order to win that relationship game, all of what we're talking about is required. You cannot, I cannot, I cannot win the relationship game with you. I'm going to just say, look, I'm here. I'm here to win your heart. And I'm going to win it. And I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be connective. I'm going to be caring. I'm going to admit when I'm wrong. I'm going to show you, you know, I don't know everything. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be 
this is me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being a podcast guy. I'm not being uh, an author of 16 books guy. I'm being Jerry. And uh, so that's the important connection right there. So it is all about me in terms of taking care of my side of the street. And then I will make that connection with you. I'll win the relationship game. And when I do, you're going to go the distance. You're going to be loyal. You're going to do everything that I ask of you. And we're going to have a great time together. But if you don't win that relationship game, no one's going to go the distance. No one's going to go. I, I think, again, it just comes back, come back to, you know, full circle to the top of the conversation. We talk about putting the person first and, you know, that age old saying, you know, I, I think it's good people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Making sure that you've got that connection with them. And I think that, that, that is going to be really key. So I think it's. But, you know, one of the words that you keep you, you use consistently throughout this conversation is. Authenticity. Um, and being genuine. Um, and I think that that bit's really key. It's but it, it then leads me to another word and it's, it's, it's being curious. We need to be curious, um, not just in terms of our own awareness and our own development and our own um behaviors and but actually we need to be curious about the people that we're trying to connect with we need to genuinely be curious about the people that we're trying to connect with we need to authentically be um, curious about the people that we're trying to connect with in learning about them learning who they are learning what they what you know what makes them tick learning learning what you know what what's their why for why they're here i love what you're saying i love <laughs> that term curious yeah like What's your life like? Like, what's going on? You know, I, I heard I heard your mom's in a hospital. She's got COVID. Oh, my gosh. How is she doing? Mm. You know, to ask the questions about the other person and, 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 and to make that connection. And, and, and the word curious is such a beautiful word. You know, it's so. It's it'll never be offensive when you use the word I'm curious. You know, I'm curious about you, Yaz. So what, what's keeping you busy these days? I'm real curious. Curious indicates to you when I say that, that, that I'm interested in you. Well, guess what? When people are interested in you, how do you feel about them? Raise your hand if you like that. <laughs> I love when people are curious about me, and I love to be curious about people. And that creates a relationship. Yeah, I think. Um, Did I go down a wrong path there? No, 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 no. I think you're spot on. I think for me, though, you know, it is. I want to know what I don't know, right? Um, and people have information, like you said. You know, you've written sixteen books. It doesn't mean you know it's all. You know it all. There's people that haven't written a book, but they they might have some real, real wisdom. And they know um, what I do. <laughs> well. We don't know that, but, no, but hopefully we're going to find out eventually. You know, we we'll keep asking questions, staying curious, and we'll see who knows more. Um, but you know, and then we can invite as many people as as they want, and anyone listening to this to join us on the magic school bus. But I think <laughs> the key, the, the key part, the key. I think the key is though is uh, it's the listening part. So one 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 of the things that 
I'm conscious of in 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 this journey that I'm on with this podcast as an example is not just listening to what you've had to say and then just moving on to a, another question. I mean, as you can see, and as you know from previous, I don't really have a set list of questions. There isn't any questions. It is just a conversation. I don't consider this an interview. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it because I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know where you're going to take it. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. And I didn't even know that I was going to be talking about the magic school bus today, but here we are. <laughs> um, and I think it's that curious because I'm, I mean, every time, like I said, you know, whoever I'm speaking to in this case yourself, I'm just saying, right, how, how, what can I take away from this? What can I take away from this? What can I, what's the little bit that's just going to make, uh, make me think even more? Yeah, what's the yeah. little bit that I can take away and give to someone else and make them think even more? Um, and I came across, I came across a quote the other day. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it was something on the lines of, um, as a coach, your job is to get rid of all your knowledge to everyone you can impart, impart onto. Um, because only then will you get better at becoming a coach. Because then you have to now go search for more information. So it brings me back to that curious word and that, 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 you know, that, that curiosity piece is, okay, what can I impart? When can I impart it? And who am I imparting it to? I, uh, speaking about not knowing where we're going, um, you know, I have a whole chapter in, in one of my books. The book is called Spirit of the Dancing Warrior. And uh, all great performers, all great martial artists, dancers, sports, fitness people, they all experience they're great because they experience the sense of emptiness. So that the whole idea of emptiness, the circumference of a circle, you can see, but you there's nothing in the middle. But it, it that defines that that emptiness defines really what's really present. And 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 so the emptiness here is, you know, we all have to go back to a place where we we understand that uh, we don't know. Uh, I, I, I think being, we don't know. Uh, we, we have to come from a place of not knowing. And, and again, we're uncomfortable because, hey, I'm the coach, I'm the head coach. I just been hired for six figures or, or seven figures or eight figures, whatever, to do this job. I have to know. Well, the thing is, if you're asking questions, maybe you don't know. And if you don't mm -hmm. know, is that bad? And and what I'm writing about. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Out here about being empty is, no, in fact, it's a requirement. We have to walk into an arena and, and as you say, get rid of, Get rid of the illusion. We know things. Look, I know a lot. And, and, and I have wisdom that's been accrued from other people who are wise. It wasn't my wisdom. I took it from them, you know. And, 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 and you're wise and you've taken it from someplace. And, or maybe you just created things yourself. Uh, but, but basically, I have to be willing. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I need to be willing to not know. 
in order to learn. And, and that requires listening. And that gets back to your point about listening. But in order to be a good listener, you must say to yourself, what can I learn here? Mm. As opposed to if I'm going to listen by just let me let me hear what Yaz has to say. And then while you're talking, I'm thinking in my head a response to what you're saying to show you you're right, wrong or whatever, as opposed to me just sitting here. Not knowing how I'm going to respond to it, or maybe no re- response is a response and, and just thinking, what can I learn here? And that really puts listening into perspective. And, and what that does is it doesn't take away from the knowledge and the wisdom that you've accrued. What it does do is it silences the need to have to demonstrate that wisdom and knowledge because you feel that's what your job is. When indeed your, 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 your calling and your work is to listen and learn and find out what I need to know from you, Yaz, in order to be your best teacher. I need to learn. I need to be. So, okay. So here it is. In, in, in Chinese, it's called Tui So. Tui So is the dancing uh, partners and, and, and going back and forth. So I'm the leader. I'm in charge here. You're my athlete. Okay, let's go from there. I come in and tell you what you need to know. Or what I do is I become a student to learn from you what I need to know. So I listen and I'm listening deeply now. And and it's so deep that I'm learning so much that I never knew before. And now with all of this information, this is all new. I now become now we reverse it. Now you're the student and I'm the teacher because I now have knowledge of what I need to do in order to help you get to where you want to go. Mm, I think something really key that just to pause you for two seconds, uh, Jerry. Please do take it over. I think you're, I, 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 I totally agree with you. My experiences would, would share would share that view as well. I think the one thing that I think maybe we've kind of skipped over there is. You can only listen if something's being said uh, and sometimes nothing's being said. So you need to now start asking the right questions to get that conversation started, which comes back to my piece about curiosity. And, I, and essentially the first question I'm asking myself is. Uh, when I'm working with an athlete or when I'm working with a coach. I need to know what they know or what they believe they know. I need to know where those views and where those ideas come from. So I, I guess, you know, what I'm really saying to anyone listening to this is how much are you considering what you're trying to find out or whether you're actually finding anything out about the participant, whether that be a coach, whether that be a, a, an athlete, whether that be even away from the sporting context. And I, and I think that that that, that bit should, shouldn't go uh, unmissed um, or missed rather in what you've said there. Yeah, again, you're 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 opening up a whole area of conversation because you're asking the right question and you're seeking to learn, which is really interesting. You're whether you were aware of it or not, I'm sitting here thinking, my God, he's demonstrating exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> you're being that coach, you're being curious, and you're asking the questions. And you're asking me to respond. And all I'm doing is saying, 
my response doesn't matter. What matters is how you're being right now as a leader, as a coach, as a, uh, a podcast host. You're being exactly what you're d- discussing. <laughs> and, and, and that's the point, right? That's the magic. School bus. It's the school bus, it's I'm telling mag- you. It's the magical <laughs> mystery tour. And I like Definitely. that word. mystery. It's all a mystery. It most definitely is that, and I think that's the beauty of a beauty of curiosity. You don't know where it's going to take you. Um, but I want to come back to something else. You know, we use that word wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now, your latest book, Everyday Champion Wisdom, um, you've described it as being a unique, creative uh, approach to kind of mastery of coaching. So let, let's just unpack that a little bit. What what exactly is? Let, maybe we could start with that. What is mastery in coaching? In your in your in your eyes, well, you know, uh, there's many de- there are many definitions of, of mastery, mm. uh, <clears throat> and, and I don't know if uh, any one of them is better than or different than or worse than or the, the other, but essentially, mastery. When I say to you, Yaz, you know, one of my reasons for working is I want to master my craft. I want to be better at what I do, and so. The simplest version of mastery is 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 to to seek to be a seeker, to be a wanderer, to be a to be curious, and to use your word uh, as to how can I be the better version of myself? Asking the questions, listening deeply for the purpose of learning. And so mastery, mastery is a a process. And uh, we can master right in the moment. Uh, We don't, it's not something like to get to. Like I never ever see myself as mastering my craft by, okay, by November 15th, I'll have this all done and I'll really, you know, no, it's mastery is a slow, gradual, incremental process of personal growth and development. After a period of time, you're more comfortable with who you are, and that comfortableness with who you are allows you to be more vulnerable and open to learning all the things you really need mm-hmm. to know and learn. So it's that process. It's an evolving yeah. constant circle coming back to what you don't know, learning, and yeah. And and I, I think you're spot on. And I think, the, I think the key word that you used there, um, which I'll come to in a second, but what it reminds me of is 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 the the concept of balance. Um, people often misunderstand balance to be an outcome, but actually balance is it, for me is a process. Because the moment you get balanced and you think you're balanced, <laughs> you stop trying to balance. But actually, now you're now out of balance. If you think um, you're balanced, you're imbalanced. Well, you you may well be in that in that moment, but as soon as you as soon as you start thinking about it, you're probably coming out of balance again. Um, but so coming back to that mastery piece, I don't think you can ever, you can ever be, it's not an outcome, it, essentially is what I'm saying. It's not an outcome. It is, it's an ongoing thing because I, I guess mastery in, in, in itself, in, in terms of a process is the constant refinement of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that refinement might mean that you break off a little bit too much and now you have to build it back up again and, uh, and whatever that looks like, because Again, you know, it brings me back to another conversation I was having with a coach recently that I've been working with for the last few months. And he said, 
he said to me that I feel like working with you, I've had to almost start over again. I feel like I've regressed. I said, interesting. Okay. You feel like you've regressed. Why? I don't because I don't feel like I, I I don't feel like I'm um I'm being an effective coach. It's interesting. Okay. What do, what does what would that look like to you? Um and you know without going into too much detail essentially the conversation at some point came back to the 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 fact that he felt that when I gave feedback it was maybe a bit too open and honest. But I come back to what I said before, and you know, I'm not saying this is the best way or necessarily, but or it's the only way. But who am I helping if I'm not giving you what I see? And this is just my opinion. Um, and we'd have numerous conversations about how things would go in, and he'd give me his ideas and his views and opinions. Um, but something just didn't really sit right with me, and I wanted to really get to the bottom of that. It was are your perceptions, your perceptions that you're actually feeling. Or are your perceptions the perceptions that you're giving me because you don't want more feedback? And that big that big got me really curious. So the next step was right. Okay, fine. I'll take your perceptions on on merit. Um, but now we're going to record you. We're going to record all your sessions. We're going to watch them back. And I'm still going to ask you the same questions I asked you before. Um, I don't really know what happened before, but I know what's happening now. It's objective. It's there in front of me. We can both watch it back and we can both have our opinions on it. Um, but what we can't do is make it something it wasn't or make someone believe it was something that didn't happen. So I guess in 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 that, you know, the fact that he said he's regressed, it really highlighted for me that that reinforcement of the point. None of us are on a linear journey. It's going to go up, it's going to go down. Sometimes it goes back, sometimes it goes to the side. But as long as we're reflecting and we're self-aware about where we are, what we're trying to achieve and what the obstacles might be in front of us, then we should be okay in terms of having that consistency and that commitment that I talked about earlier to that ongoing development and achieving hopefully what might be long-term mastery. Yeah, I, um, by the way, uh, when, when I think of this whole conversation and the journey that we're talking about, uh, I see it more, I see it more as a circular journey. So it's a rising circular journey. So we start off here and we, we go, let, let's take it in terms of time. Today is the 12th of October, 2022. If you and I meet next year on October 12th, 2023, we will have taken a year of our life of learning, developing, expanding, reading, talking, working, helping, giving. So the circle goes around. Now we're back to the same day, a different year, but life is circular. We're, we're, we're one year older, so we're a little higher. We're, we're a little bit further along the way. This circle began a long time ago, by the way, and, and, and it'll continue. So where I sit on that circle on October 12th is very different than where I sat on this journey on October 12th, 1997. 
right? Because it, it was circular. We come back to the same place. We begin again, just like a season in soccer or a season in basketball or football, whatever it is. And we come back, but we're wiser. And as we go up this, uh, this circle, as we go higher, we can stop and look back, look down. We, we haven't gone forward or backward or anything. We look down and we see where we've come from and what we've learned and what we need to know now to go up another, another level. So I don't think, I don't see uh, life or sports or any of that as linear. You know, we started here and this is where we are and that's where it was. Uh, no, it's just a constant ending circular motion, uh, which yeah, that's just the way I see it. Again, just as you're, you know, you, you're doing the motion with your hand, I think it is literally a spiral. It's spiral. literally a spiral where <laughs> at certain points you, you're, you're getting further, but at certain points you might be getting closer. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think that's probably a, a, good, a good visual, at, le at least it is for me anyway. But um, let, let, let's come back. Let's come back to your latest book. You know, you, you talked there you know, we, about the mastery in coaching. What is everyday champion wisdom? Take take us through that journey. Let's embark on that. Okay, so uh, over the years, I've written a lot and I've talked a lot. I've written a lot of blogs. Uh, I've written a lot of what I call Jerry mails to athletes and to coaches. It's an email uh, where I douse people in the feelings of feeling important and valued and constantly trying to reinforce their greatness. And uh, so I have all of the I, I've given a lot of talks, uh, keynote talks at conventions and conferences and things like that. I've taught many courses and clinics. And so coaches would come to me and say, Jerry, the problem with you is you have too many things. You have too many books. And I can't. It's frustrating because I don't know which one to read or, you know, it's just too much going on. So I took that feedback to mean two things. Number one is that coaches don't have much time to dive into a 300 page book with small print. They don't have much time and they'd like to know everything I know uh, or a lot of it. So what I did was I wrote a book to meet those two needs. So this book is, um, it's, it's like, okay, so back to the Beatles, right? They, they is the best of the Beatles album and, and they have all the best. Well, to me, all of it's great, you know, <laughs> all great stuff, but, Every group, every rock group, every uh, musician, they, they have this greatest album, greatest hits. And and that's what I did with this book. It was like the best of Jerry. I went through all of my blogs. I went through all of my books. I took excerpts from here and there and my talks and the, the highlights, the things that I know people really loved. And I put them into one book. And that one book has a lot of space in it. So when you go into the book, you see there's a lot of room to move, move around emotionally and mentally. And, and that was on purpose in terms of the font that I chose and the spacing. But more importantly is the book is easy because it's written in 142 lessons. And those lessons at the most are like a page and a half. Now, what coach doesn't have time to, to read something that could be life-changing for them, and it's only a page long, and they could take that page and that concept and go back to their team, and for the whole week, 
they could teach that one page instead of, oh, my God, how am I going to remember all this? And there's so many books and so many ideas in these books. And no, I just want it to be really simple. So we have highlights. Yeah. And, and that's how I wrote that book. I, th I think I think there's something really key that you, you, you've mentioned there. And it's is it interesting. I was having a conversation just yesterday about this. Um, just because you've picked up some new information and there might be a whole load of it doesn't mean you have to apply it all in one go. Because, the, the, you know, the, the drastic nature of those changes and, and the seismic nature of those changes could take it out of control. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe the best thing to do is just focus on making one change at a time. Um, exactly. And, and you, you, I mean, you, you make reference to this in, 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 in the introduction of your book as well. You know, it's about taking one step at a time. You know, I think I think if I remember rightly, the, the bit was, well, how, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Right. Um, and, and, and so so it's the same thing with a book. How do you digest a book? How do you digest all those concepts? Well, you don't. you got to do one at a time. How do you become how do you become a, a, an amazing coach, meaning the best version you could possibly be as a leader, as a guide, as a mentor? How do you do that? You 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 take one concept and, mm -hmm. and you see if that can work for you. And when it does, then you can move on. And it's not like trying to do everything at once. Oh, I've got these 14 or 13 great ideas now. I'm going to implement them with my team. It's not going to work. It's going to backfire. But if you took one and you mastered that one and you, and, you, and you took it and you really implemented it well to the best of your ability, you're going to see change. And from that change, that'll be inspiring. It'll be empowering. And, and then you can go to the next one. And before you know it, now you have not one, but you have two, one new one, and you're working on that. And then you can bring in the other one to, to reinforce that that second one. So being a being great at what we do is a slow, gradual, incremental process. It's called Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, and that's Japanese. And 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 that concept is how Japan built their society and their country back after devastation in World War II, and they still do it. And that's what made them so successful. And successful coaches, by the way, believe in the concept of Kaizen. They might not know what that word is, mm. but they know that being, being the best we can be is going to be a slow, gradual, incremental process over a period of time and enjoying that process as well. Let, let, let's 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 talk from there then. So you you know you've got this um this best of Jerry Lynch, got 142 lessons in there, all about a page and a half, maybe maybe two pages for some of them potentially. Um, really challenging coaches to take one lesson at a time, apply it, reflect on it, see whether it fits for them, um, and potentially beyond that, see what maybe adaptations may need to be made to make it work even better. On those 142, what would you say are the top three that you'd maybe want coaches listening to this thinking, right, this is going to get you some, this is going to get you, um, let, let's break it up. So what's the, what's the one thing that's maybe going to give them uh, a, a, quick, a quick win potentially? Um, what's we one gotta, that's going to... We got to start. We got to start with the relationship game. You just can't, from the, 
if you don't have a, a solid, good relationship with an athlete or your team, you can't implement anything. I mean, if you and I didn't have an, uh, a good relationship, this wouldn't be working. I mean, it it's all comes back to the relationship. I mean, I can talk about humility and how important it is. I can talk about trust. I could talk about uh being a servant leader and all of this, but the, it really comes down to one thing, and that is how can you how can you establish that relationship game? I have an acronym in here. Uh, the acronym is uh, is the river river effect. Just you're talking about one thing. If I'm going to give a coach one thing out of this book, it's going to be look. Bathe, marinate, dunk your athletes in the river. And the river stands for R-I-V-E-R, making the athletes feel relevant, important, valued, empowered, and respected. I don't know about you, but I think I get a sense about you, Yaz. When you're feeling relevant, important, valued, empowered, and respected from me, and I'm your coach, and I ask if you would do this for the team, there's a high probability you're gonna do it. I, I would think most people would have to agree with that. So there are 142 lessons. If if I'm if if I'm marinating you in the river, and that's the river effect, I'm winning the relationship game. The most important game as a coach that I need to win is the relationship game. And once I win that, it's very easy for me to come in with other aspects of great leadership. And I already got you on board. I mean, a hundred percent. I think just something's really key in what you said there as well. I think it's there's a high probability that I will do what you've asked, but there's also a high probability that I'll do what you've asked, even knowing that it's not about me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it because of the respect of this relationship and i'm not the i'm not i'm you know i guess in in this case it's it's not for me to gain alone it's for everyone else and sometimes i might i might not even gain the most out of it well are you talking about yourself as an athlete or are you talking yourself as an athlete as yes as an athlete yes oh. if i'm if i'm now responding to that to that to, to that to those instructions or those commands if you like um out of respect of, for the relationship and the and the connection that we've built, I will take that on board and say, right, yeah. I'm just going to do it. You know, yeah, and then I trust him. That's what I'm saying. You know, uh, when when I walked into the office of of Coach Dean Smith from the University of North Carolina, and for those of you who don't know who he is, he's he's one of the the most amazing coaches that ever lived, uh, and and people still refer to him. He's like the John. John Wooden of the East Coast of, of the United States. John Wooden was in uh, L.A. and uh, Dean Smith was in Carolina. Uh, I had a meeting with him and honest to God, I had 13 questions to ask him. The questions never got asked, but they all got answered. <laughs> I, I didn't have to ask them because he was being everything I wanted to ask about. How do you be such a coach that you are? And he was just be. Like you were being a few minutes ago, you were demonstrating by modeling the very question you were asking me. Long story short, I felt like I was the most important person in his life. Now, 
between you and I intellectually. When I walked out of that room, I knew I wasn't the most important person. But at the moment, I felt like I was more important than anyone that he had ever met. And boy, you know, he's met some amazing people, worked with them and, you know, Michael Jordan and, and others and James Worthy. Uh, I know he had a wife and family and they were definitely more important than me. But you know what? Yes, I had the feeling. And, 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 and when I got out of that office with him, I had tears in my eyes of joy because I had discovered what I was really looking for in all those questions, which is he won the relationship game with me. Had he asked me to get on my knees and hands and lick the floor of the dust so they could play basketball on a smooth court, I would have done it without hesitation. You name it, I was doing it. And the reason is, is because he he doused me in the river. Did he know the term river? No, that's something I identified on my own later on. But he was very natural. And I felt so important, so valued, so empowered by him. I felt so empowered that a year later I had a book published with him as the honor, honoree of the book. And and so it's all about the relationship game. And that's where we need to start. And people will go the distance for you. So I suggested three lessons. First lesson regarding the river effect. Um, if we said that that was the one to get you to get you the quickest wins. <laughs> because in actual fact, it is. Because well, that relationship piece well, is, is, gonna, is, gonna, is what's going to allow you to get everything else across, right? These people that I'm talking about, uh, Steve Kerr, Mike Krzyzewski, Anson Doran. Anson Doran's won 22 national championships, you know. Uh, all these people, Phil Jackson, Pete Carroll, they all know that on the, on the road to winning that championship, the most important game that they won was not the semifinal. It was the relationship game, which began at the beginning of the season. And they planted the roots. And, and I'll, I'm here to say, from my 115 championship teams that I've worked with, I'm here to say that when you build a foundation of caring, of connection, of love, which is the relationship game, when you build that foundation, your best behaviors, your best performances follow. If you happen to have the physical talent, it probably will wind up in a national championship. And I've experienced that from working with so many champions. And, and I, it, it's just, to me, it's like, that's it. If you get, if as a coach, you get that point, then this book, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I know, I know people are not going to get that right away. So that's why we have more stuff in there so that we can embellish upon that relationship. No, but I, th but I, th I think, I think it's, um, it's important to highlight that you know this is a this is a great first place to start, and if you do nothing else right, just get this bit done. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think I think it's a great way to kind of put it. So I guess, what about those guys who are already doing that? How do they build on that? What is your question? So how about the coaches out there that are listening to this thinking, you know, I've already got that relationship with my players. Everything that you just described over the last few moments. I've yeah. already got that relationship with my athletes. I've already got that. They, 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 they do trust me. I've got that real connection with them. What's the next step that you'd be asking them to take or consider taking after that? Another good question. 
in terms of this book, there are many, many aspects, many things you can do and ways to be that will fortify and embellish upon that relationship and that re winning that relationship game. So, uh, you know, we, we, we want to talk about uh, certain things like, OK, let's get back to the culture that you want to build. All right. So what you want to do is you want to implement four core values. You know, you want your team to be selfish. You want them to be competitive. You want them to have joy and you want them to have compassion. Because you have that relationship game built, it's much easier now to take that deep dive into those four values that will be the foundation. Why, why those four, though? Why those four? Why? Four. No, it, 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 there's no, there's no formula here. Like, like Steve chose those four. But the, the values that you, and this book, uh, actually, it's Win the Day my other book, I'm, I'm suggesting that a coach come up with four values, but they got to be you. Like, like I like, I like the value of grit. Yeah. It's a, it's an important value for me. And, and a grit is like in Chinese, they say you get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. That's grit. And, and that's I, me. I, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking really specifically, I mean, obviously everyone's going to have different values. You can't, uh, you know, assume that everyone's going to just take these four values and run with it. But, I'm, I guess I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to work out why four. What was there? Is there a special thing about well, four? No, there's nothing special about four. No, okay. nothing. It could be three. It could be. Five. Or is that just a great? It's just a good place to start. It's a great place to start, and not only that, but it's controllable. It's it's more easily controllable than ten or twelve or eleven. Like like Anson Dorrance at the University of North Carolina women's soccer, I believe. I believe they're at eleven. They have 11 core values for the team. They've earned it. <laughs> they can do that. Some teams, it's too much. Two co Some coaches having 11 values to have to teach uh, is a bit much. So it's four, four is a nice manageable number. It's a nice even number. And it gives you the chance to really self-assess who you are. That's That's what... Every coach has to do in order to come. You don't just take a value like competitiveness or fearlessness because you think that's good for your team. It's got to be you. These values have got to be you. And, and the team is a reflection of those values. Because if you don't have those values in yourself, you'll never be able to A, teach them or B, demonstrate them, which is even more important. So you need to have values that are in concert with who you are as a person. Now, I, I fully get what you're saying there. I guess there's probably going to be some people listening to this right now thinking, right, I've got my values. These are my four values if this is where I'm going to start. Um, but this doesn't align with the athletes in my environment. What would your advice be to them? I said, but it, it, it may be a case where they've got their four values. However, the four values that they've built, they you know they've chosen to kind of start with, don't align very well with the athletes or participants they've got in their environment. How, how how do you navigate around that one? Well, I'd have to see those values because if I mean, let me. Okay, so let me ask you answer your question as far as I can. 
what you do is you you open up you open up the conversation with the athletes and you ask them you know out of the list of 25 values which ones seem to resonate most with this team and you put it into their hands and they come back to you and they say coach these are the values that we really feel represent us and then as a coach you say okay let's use those too so it's 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 easily solved you know and and not only that but you're including them in on the whole show and you're giving them a chance to use values that really speak to them now now having said that there's a caveat here and and, and that caveat is the values that i choose how could an athlete not want to be fearless if i'm in a group of 100 athletes Raise your hand if you never want to be fearless. No one's going to raise their hand. What about if I say to them, raise your hand if you don't want to experience joy in the process? No one's going to raise their hand. Let me say, raise your hand if you if you don't want to experience what it's like to have grit. Raise your hand if you don't want to feel like uh, you, you could be uh, 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 trustworthy. You know? So the values that you choose more than likely, more than likely will resonate. But to your point, I always want to give the athletes a chance to come back and say, OK, coach, I understand these are three or four values you'd like. How about we have three or four? And then what we do is we combine them. Now we say we have a team of eight values, but they're going to like hmm. my values. <laughs> they, they are. They, they, ha- they have to, man. They have to. They so, have to. Joe, I'm, 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 again, processing what you're saying. I've listened to lesson number one about the river, the river concept. Uh, lesson number two about the values. And two words just jump out to me straight away, right? Lesson one, relationships. Mm-hmm. Or pillar one is relationships. Pillar two, environment. Relationships, environment. Mm-hmm. What would you say is, I'm thinking about the best way to ask this, from those 142 lessons that you've got in that book, or even any others that you might say beyond it, what would you say is probably the, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but what's the coolest, coolest one? The coolest? Yeah, the coolest in the sense of, this is just amazing. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? I never think these ways. <laughs> I, I, I write these things. I don't think which is the coolest. Well, you know, there's there's so many. I just it's it's. Okay, let me let me rephrase the question for you. That maybe might 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 spark some different different thoughts. Which is the one where if someone said, Jerry, what what can you tell me um, about? Yeah, what lessons can you teach me about this sort of stuff? And you know, the one that would make you say. Oh, well, you've got you've got to try this. Mm-hmm. You've got to try this. Well, uh, so the the lessons are broken down into coach, athlete, and teams. So there's okay. three segments. Okay, so we've got river, which is about teams, right? River is about coaching or athlete or winning. coaching. Okay, right. So that's not exactly a team thing, although the team can use that for sure. Okay, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. And then we have the whole last part of it, which is the uh, team unity and cohesion and la- being laser focused for the next important game. OK, uh, but uh, 
Well, I don't know. How's that? I don't know which one is the best. I no, or, but it's not. It's not about which one's the best because I think I think they're all in there because they're all relevant, right? They're all relevant. Uh, they're all relevant. Yeah. I guess. I guess what what I want to know is right. If you had if you had thirty seconds right now, just to say, look, you got to go read this chapter of the book. You, you got to go check this lesson out. There's one lesson that you can refer someone to. That's not the river. That's not the piece around um, the environment, the culture, and the values. Mm-hmm. Where are you directing them to? I'll direct them. I would say lesson number eighty is to me the most fun. Okay. Of all of them. And and that is that is bumblebees, the whole story behind bumblebees. And bumblebees do fly, right? But bumblebees, you know, bumblebees, we know they fly, right? Definitely. Um, I mean I've seen them fly. <laughs> well, I mean you do see people believe they don't? We have we have data to prove. And you know, even if they're in that wonderful school bus that they can fly inside the, the school bus too. And uh, yeah, so uh, bumblebees, you know, basically science science has, has, has studied the bumblebee and, and we've looked at the bumblebee and we've asked the question, uh, you know, do they fly? And uh, science says, yeah, we see them fly, but guess what? Now this is important. That's why I picked this one. They shouldn't be able to fly. They don't have the wingspan to get the lift to get off the branch. And not only that, but their body, their size of their body, they're too fat. They're too heavy to get off that branch. So they, you know, there's, they have none of the qualities, aerodynamic qualities of any anything that could fly like a plane you know it's got really wide wings it's got speed right from the get-go so it can catch the air and get lift but the bumblebee has nothing but yet it still flies not only does it fly but it flies like seven miles a day and 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 it never stops and it keeps going and when an athlete reads that I'm hoping that they can process the idea that they're telling themselves they can't do this, they can't do that. They're not tall enough. They're not fast enough. They're not smart enough. Whatever it is they're not enough of, they're giving that themselves as an excuse not to do the work to develop themselves into their full human capacity. And, And so we learn the lesson from the bumblebee where science says there's no way in this world that a bumblebee should be able to fly, it can fly. And it shouldn't be able to. So you as an athlete, let's stop giving ourselves excuses and let's go forward and and, and experiment and give ourselves a chance to be the best version of ourselves. Yeah, um, I love that. Um, it just brings back to literally, uh, I, saw, I saw an old... Um, an old Apple advert playing, Apple commercial playing. Um, and the, and I think the tagline was, think different. This is going back, this is going back nearly 20 years ago. Think different was the tagline. Uh, and the message was ultimately this. In order to be different, in order to be the best or, you know, 
the next the next big thing you have be, to think differently no you to have be, to think yeah yeah in order yeah. to be different yeah so i you know be that that we're talking about bees 100%. I mean, I'm looking at the bee and I'm thinking to myself, I've never actually thought that you shouldn't be able to fly. No. I've never no actually I've never actually questioned whether they do fly. I just look at them and say, yeah, they're, they're definitely flying. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. You have more aerodynamic qualities about yourself that should make you fly, but you don't. The, the bee has a lot less. That's what you think. <laughs> well, you figure it out. <laughs> and as an athlete, stop telling me as your coach, that you can't do it or that you don't have enough or you're not fast enough or you're not strong mm, enough or you're not mm. big enough, or whatever you but, are not enough of but this this goes full circle to the point i was making right at, right at the top of the conversation in that the role of the coach in helping the athlete to identify a level that they haven't thought about but then i challenge coaches to then think about that and say right can you push them to a level that you as a coach haven't yet thought about mm-hmm yeah, and, and you know, so it really define those odds. So, uh, I mean, everyday champion wisdom, right? Everyday champion wisdom, Jerry. Um, really, really uh, honored and privileged to have you back on. And I think you know, again, another fascinating conversation, which has just got my mind ticking. Well, um, listen, I, I've got that next book coming. Uh, it'll be out next year. It's called The Mindful Coach. And we could take a deeper dive into everything we've talked about now. And that's what that book is going to be about. So we, we can it's all about coaching development and, and, and education and what have you. But uh, it's a pleasure. I, uh, I can't believe we've been doing this an hour and a half. It seems like about 40 minutes, to be honest. And I'm looking at the clock and it says 1.30. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, where did the time go? So uh, anyway, it's an honor and privilege to be here and to, to be listened to and yeah so thank you so much no i really appreciate your time jerry i think i thank you very much for that and um just a quick one on the book where can people find it when it comes out the new book coming yeah writing uh well the usual places you know uh it'll it'll be in amazon and uh in bookstores uh you can order it from a bookstore you you know the usual methodologies uh, and if people wanted to get a bit more insight around you, the stuff that you do now, where can they go to do that? Uh, well, my website is wayofchampions at gmail. No, wayofchampions.com. Uh, and uh, that'll that'll give you a lot of indication about what I'm doing, what I'm up to. The menu bar up there has my blogs and has my I have a daily podcast in the daily. I have a weekly podcast that I do. I co-host it like you, like your podcast. It comes out every week and it's way of champions podcast. And oh my gosh, uh, we have guests like Yaz and, and others. We, we have some amazing big name people coming on there. Last week we interviewed and his, his will come up pretty soon. We've had 2 million downloads on this website, on this uh, podcast, and it just gets bigger and bigger. So uh, I really suggest people go and listen to that. Uh, it's Way of Champions podcast. But we interviewed uh, the commanding officer of the Blue Angels, uh, which is the uh, the U.S. Navy uh, uh, specialized uh, team of acrobatics. And uh, he is also the uh, 
commanding officer uh, and instructor of Top Gun. So we all see that movie, Top Gun. He was the one in charge. Okay, uh, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So we got to interview him, which, oh my gosh, talk about leadership. And, oh, I can't wait to hear it, you know, for the first time through. I'm definitely going to be checking that one out. Definitely yeah. checking that one out. Absolutely. Um, Jerry, I'm conscious of time. I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate your time and um, the opportunity oh, to have nice. this conversation with you. You've really got my, you really got my mind ticking today. And there's a, you know, that magic school bus has run up, run up some more miles on it. So, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, we'll continue this magical mystery tour and uh, we'll hopefully meet again. Thank you, Yaz. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.